Hello and welcome to the Tasty Brew Music Podcast. I'm Diana Lynn. After a 45 plus year in corporate America, I took a huge U-turn and became a volunteer DJ on 90.1 FM, KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. Since 2010, I've been the host, programmer, and engineer of the weekly Americana Roots music show, The Tasty Brew. With this podcast, I share conversations with artists and industry insiders with the goal of educating and entertaining the listening audience. I strive to give a voice to the music makers and their supporters who are underserved or even ignored by mainstream corporate media. Serendipity brought Jeremy Facknicks into my musical life. Late this past summer, he posted on a local Kansas City musician's Facebook page looking for a fill-in gig on just a few days' notice to help support a solo run of gigs in the Midwest. I checked him out, was happy to help him land a last-minute slot in a songwriter's circle at a local venue, and welcomed Jeremy into the radio station for a conversation during my weekly radio show. Jeremy has entertained audiences with his lovingly crafted music and high-energy performances for decades. Since the 2002 breakup of his Detroit-based band The Ottomans, Jeremy has performed primarily as a solo act, marrying folk rock and jazz stylings to showcase his intimate stories of life, love, and self-discovery. Facknicks carved out a living performing at bars, coffee shops, and corporate events while teaching lessons on the side. Life turned on a dime when on July 17, 2017, Jeremy was diagnosed with viral meningitis. He says, I came face to face with my mortality and I realized it was time for a change. I quit performing at bars and spent the next year making the leap to house concerts, touring, and performing solely for listening audiences. Jeremy was named a top 24 finalist from over 800 entries in the 2020 and 2022 Grassy Hill Kerrville New Folk Songwriting Competition at the Kerrville Folk Festival. His songs, Ballet of an Unhatched Chick and Michigan, Something in the Water, were awarded semi-finalist distinction at songoftheyear.com also in 2020 and 2022. As you'll hear in this conversation while occasionally performing with his six-piece band in Colorado, Jeremy continues to tour solo, performing at house concerts and listening rooms in the United States, Canada, and Europe. He's currently promoting his fifth album of original material, From Those Sweet Ashes, and has begun recording a follow-up album set for release in 2023. Enjoy this little interlude with songwriter Jeremy Backnitz. Welcome, Jeremy. Backnitz from Colorado Springs, Colorado. Oh, thank you. As I recall, you had reached out on one of the Facebook groups that you were coming through town and were looking for a last-minute gig. That's how we met, essentially, as I chimed in and said, well, I don't know, but here's here's an idea. If you can come be on the radio with me Friday, I'm on Friday morning. So here we are. And we've been chatting for about the last 30 minutes or so, trying to get to know each other a little bit. For my listeners who may not be familiar with your music and your story, what, what, let's do a little 411 here. Do you come from a musical family? You've been doing this for, you've shared with about 25 years now. Yeah, yeah, 25 years. I started playing in 1997 in various bands in Detroit, where I'm from. And my mom and dad were very musical. My dad played a lot of music in the in the house. He'd go through phases. He'd go through a big band phase, and that's all we'd hear is Tommy Dorsey and Glenn Miller for two months, and we'd kind of roll our eyes. And then he'd go through a Beatles phase, and, and he was just really passionate. And whatever dad wanted to listen to, we listened to. And, Sounds uh, like good parenting. Yeah, me? exactly. <laughs> it was it was it was quite the education, and all that kind of weaves into my music, which I've been told is. It's singer-songwriter, kind of uh, inspired by the 70s, 1970s singer-songwriter movement, uh, uh, kind of James Taylor. Yeah, I was there. Uh, you know, <laughs> Joan, yeah, you were there. I was uh, there. And also some 
theater uh, involved too. A lot of people say my music belongs on a on a stage, so uh, I bring us some theatrics to it, I guess, and it all creates the uh, mosaic that is uh, my songs. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's get started with the song right away. You're all you're all tuned up and ready to go. What would you like to share with us first thing? Uh, this is a song off my 2020 release, uh, my last album, which is called From Those Sweet Ashes. Uh, I released it in April of 2020, which was the best absolute time to release an album. And this is called Ballet of an Unhatched Chick. It's called, uh, well, it's about coming out of your shell. I'm a little birdie, and that is all I'll ever be. Although my legs are sturdy, I don't know where they're taking me. I'm tapping out a prayer to give me strength to break apart. The orange and spotted membrane Fear has built around my heart I promise you someday Well, I'm gonna break out And leave my shell behind And until that someday Boy, when I finally break out Sky above's been falling ever since Mama pushed me out Well, I can hear her calling But why she gotta scream and shout Cause it sounds as if the whole wide world's gone mad And straight to hell So tell me when it's over And safe for me to leave my shell Well, I promise you someday shell behind and until that someday boy when I finally break out I won't shed a tear cause the world can't hurt me here Shell, you say, still I'm lonely as a chickadee could be. Yes, I know it's senseless hiding in this tiny thing, just a showing up defenses and hanging on both my wings, poking out my legs and running blind just to get my kicks. All my life just dancing The ballet of an unhatched chick Yes, I promise you someday Baby, I'm gonna break out And leave my shell behind Well, until that someday When I finally break out Here, yeah, you, 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 
lots of great imagery in that song. <laughs> I can see that as part of a Broadway yep. play yep, telling yep, a yep. story. <laughs> or, uh, yeah, that was great. I loved it. Oh, thank you. I loved it. You know, we need that kind of energy right now. It's been a tough week, you know, yeah. for, for anybody who's plugged in. It's, it's been a tough week. It's just draining. And to be able to spend some time with a generative artist that, you know, has their antenna up and is receiving the inspiration from the ether and then can turn around and write a song like that, that's wonderful. Oh, um, do you have uh, any formal training, education? Music education. Uh, I started playing trumpet when I was uh, five years old. My father played trumpet in a high school band, and I wanted to be like Dad as a five-year-old. I'm trying to um, – I have a four-year-old grandson. I'm trying to imagine him with a trumpet in his hands and what that would be like in the house. Oh, my. I have a five-year-old and an eight-year-old, and it's shocking. Like I, I mean, it's shocking that I, at that age – started playing and reading music yeah. uh, because I, I don't know why I had the bandwidth. I don't think my kids uh, have that. Um, plus, you know, what their parents do is my wife's a singer songwriter too, and they don't want to be like mom and dad. They want to, they want to do their own thing, mm-hmm. but I want to be like my dad. And so uh, he taught me to read basic notes and everything. And then I played through uh, eighth grade or ninth grade of high school didn't like marching band. I uh, didn't like the band director, and so I quit and didn't do anything really musically for fun and to make friends laugh. I would write parables, or I'd, uh, not parables, um, parodies. Parodies. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Uh, I need more coffee this morning. Uh, <laughs> parodies. And well, just they make, might have been parodies that were parables. They may. Yeah. They may have been some yeah. parables in those parodies. <laughs> but I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I would just kind of goof off and write poetry to songs that existed very much in a weird Al Yankovic kind of way. And then when I was uh, eighteen, a senior in high school school my aunt gave me her guitar as, as a Christmas gift like a passed down her guitar I didn't ask for a guitar I didn't she just saw that uh, I was fooling around on it the summer before and she she thought maybe he'll take this and run she gave me a book with some chords uh, in it and I was like I was I was thank you I think you just want to unload your junk on mm-hmm. me but I'll take it see what happens changed my entire life <laughs> yeah. I just ran with it I see that you are playing a Gibson is that the guitar oh uh, no this about? is this I bought this in uh, 2016 she gave me a 1976 guild d25m Guild's a nice guitar yeah yeah do you it's, still have it actually my brother is uh has it right now yeah he's borrowing it but, you know, uh, yeah as long as those are serviceable workable instruments it's nice to be able to keep them in the family oh yeah we'll know, never we'll that. never lose that yeah. Because that was special to her. So So why Colorado Springs? <laughs> it doesn't make much it's sense a, now. It's a, no, it's a lovely place. I've been there. It's <laughs> well, the traveling that you have to do from Colorado Springs in order to get to do what you do. There's a lot, got to be a lot of miles involved. Yeah. When I moved there in 2007, I was not looking for a musical mecca. I was not looking to tour uh, and, or promote my own music. All I wanted to do was find a place with, with some relative affluence where I could teach lessons play a bunch of bars, play covers in bars, and just make a living doing music. I met that those objectives there. And, and also my talent would stand out there. Uh, if I went to Austin or Nashville, right. I'm just another dude fish. waiting tables. Yeah. yeah, I could be a bigger bigger fish. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of talent in Colorado Springs, but at least I could make a living. And I, I achieved that I, 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 about five years ago. I got real sick. I, I ran myself down, and I was getting also tired of playing to the din of drunken conversation, playing corporate events. I wanted to 
start touring and promoting my own music. And I'm doing that the last five years, and it does not really make any sense to live in Colorado Springs. But that's where we've built our community, and I met my wife, and uh, we have a lot of friends. I have a six-piece band that's amazing there, and so, so we're there. That's why. I went there for different reasons than what I'm doing now. <laughs> it's a beautiful it's a beautiful place. If you're just now joining us, I have in the studio with me Jeremy Facknitz, and I'm going to spell that name for you so that when you're out there noodling around on the internet, you can find it. It's F-A-C-K-N-I-T-Z, Jeremy. He is in town on his way to Belleville, Illinois, to play one of the aforesaid house concerts that, that we're talking about. How is the recording process for you? Do you like going in the studio? Are you recording these days at home like so many do? Uh, I'm recording with my six-piece band and we are because I, I tour as a solo singer-songwriter because of cost and I can retain all the profits for myself but when I hear these songs in my head I hear bigger productions mm-hmm. arrangements so um, I'm recording at North Park Studios in Colorado Springs with uh, my producer Jared Headley he produced the last album from Those Sweet Ashes we're finishing up sax parts right now and hope to release this in March or April of 2023 and I love it I love going in the studio I love recording I, I told my wife the other day there's there's two sides of me and it, this never fails to happen where because studios cost money they cost a lot more than doing it at home but I don't have the technical know-how to create sonically right. what I want to create so when I'm in the studio and I, I'm in the process of recording and, and making the magic so to speak there's this just creative nymph that's just just flying about the studio and I'm just really in it and then I I lay down all my vocal tracks and my guitar tracks and then I collapse and then two days later the money guy wakes up and goes this is not right you need to get a job Jeremy you're spending way too much money and so well, I that's think, where I'm at now. <laughs> I think if you're going to record in that way and have that reality that you can't use the recording studio as a rehearsal space. I mean, you've got to no. kind of have your act together before you go into the studio so that it's kind of chop chop yeah. when you get there. I mean, I've attended several recording sessions and it's it's different for everybody, but some of them are really laid back, you know, and they're constantly noodling around and trying different takes. And it seems like it's, you know, taking a lot of time where I've been to a session where you can tell that the artist completely rehearsed this and didn't tweak it very much once they got into the studio. Right. So there's different ways to do that. And it, and yes, I get a lot of recordings here from artists that have self-produced, you know, done it in the in the basement in their own studio. And some, I mean, I can't tell the difference sometimes, you know, it, it's pretty good what's coming out from everybody right now, but you don't, yeah. there are no rules anymore. There's no record label support for anybody and you've got to do your own social media and you've got to do your own booking and it's a lot. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a lot. Have another song you'd like to share with our sure. listeners? Uh, this is also off my, uh, my most recent album. I wrote this song for my daughter a few years back. Uh, she might be listening in Colorado Springs. And you have quite the catalog. It goes back almost 20 years. There's a few options to choose from when you go out there and check it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this one's called Love So Big. I saw the moon rise over Mount Sopris It rose so very fast I couldn't believe how fast it came around And I remembered that around this rock It spins us very fast No, you wouldn't believe how fast it's spinning around 
I'm gonna make you a love so big you won't notice it at all. I'm gonna make you a love so big you won't notice it at all. Big things go unnoticed cause you are so very small. Inside of you, all the same thing made the sun, and it hung the star you wished upon tonight. So please remember that your everything, and everything is one. Yeah, you are the star you wished upon tonight. So big you won't notice it at all I'm gonna make you a love So big you won't notice it at all All the big things go unnoticed Cause you are so very small Yeah, but you won't stay that way Cause you're growing up and you're changing every day Man, I hope I can keep up and I'll be okay If I just practice what I preach I might keep you within reach star you wished upon. What a great line. And we're joined in the studio today by Jeremy Facknix from Colorado Springs, Colorado, on his way through town. Played at Vivo last night. Yeah. Sat in on the uh, acoustic series that our friend of the program, Elisa Jefferson, has been curating uh, starting this summer. And on your way to Belleville, Illinois, for a house concert, yep. uh, which is uh, now your preferred mode of operation. Let's talk about collaborations for a second have you co-written with other folks or are you kind of a, a solitary guy i'm kind of a solitary man i'm opening up to that i will say that i have i'm i'm part of a couple of songwriter groups where i get constructive feedback i've been in part of a group with uh, another 
great. It's my good friend Edie Carey, who's a fantastic singer-songwriter, touring singer-songwriter. She just released a new album called The Veil, and it's gorgeous. And another songwriter friend of mine, Edward Kineski, and we get together. We were getting together quite a bit, even during COVID, just bringing songs to each other and going, uh, I, I would like this from you. I would like more of this and more of this and less of this. And one time Edie said, that line you just sang made me not like you. And I was like, okay, that's a good feedback. <laughs> And was it so, something I said? Yes, it yes, was. Yes, it was something you said. So that's been tremendously helpful. But having just gone to Kerrville uh, in May and making a bunch of new songwriter friends, that they're, they're, they're kind of poking me to, to collaborate and write. It's always been such a, a personal, cathartic experience. It hasn't been something that I've wanted to share with anyone else, but I'm, I'm slowly opening up to that world. It's probably nice to know that should you want to avail yourself of that resource, that it's there. You know, if you've mm-hmm. got a community or a network that you can plug into. Have you attended a workshop, given a workshop? The so-called songwriting workshops that appear to be very pre- prevalent. I went to song school at, in Lyons, Colorado for mm-hmm. the, the Folks Fest there in 2010. I found it very enlightening, but I'm always in school. Like, yeah. I'm always hearing new music, and, like, you played that song from Joe Pug, that reworked album, which is so cool. He's he's a teacher, and you listen, and you, you know, kind of see it. So what they create, the images they create, the wordplay they use, what they do to tug on heartstrings. I, I, I'm not just listening to a song anymore. Sometimes I can get in that space where I'm just enjoying the music, but I listen to songwriting like a technician. Like, what are they doing here? And what, mm. what do I approve of? What would I do? differently or what do I wish that I could I could do and that's you know it's just constantly constantly learning constantly in school you know it's interesting because as a patron or someone who is not a content creator but someone who shares it I have had to retrain my listening habits since the pandemic because I was not an active listener anymore Mm. I was sampling so much content that was coming to me and I was listening to it for like 20 to 30 seconds and if it didn't grab me right away I was you know moving on to the next thing and that's just not serving the art the song me anybody else to do it that way so I've really tried lately to be a more active listener and listen to an entire song and if I really don't like something to go back to it maybe later when I'm in a different frame of mind or whatever to be a a better listener you're talking about Joe Pug and, and Dan Navarro who were some of your songwriting mentors or have you been mentored by someone? Not really. Like I, I mentioned Edie Carey. She's taken me under her wing and showed me a few a few tricks. And you mentioned a band, le- a band leader that you didn't like, a band master that you didn't get along with. Sometimes the, the high school band master is like the first. Oh, yeah mentor that somebody has yeah, uh, in he was, music. I mean, my middle school director was great. Yeah. Um, and I'm not going to name names, uh, but <laughs> my uh, high school band director, he was just he was just tough. I wanted music to be fun. Right. It was just... It wasn't he, fun. He, it was not fun. Did, it was, did it you was tell me army. That, did you tell me that you give lessons? Yes. Yep. And yep. What, what does that look like? Are they online? Who are your students? Uh, well, I, I haven't been doing it lately, but I'm firing it up again this fall. Typically, uh, I like working with teenagers and adults. Mm-hmm. Guitar lessons, performance lessons, uh, I'll even go as far as offering voice lessons. But I re- what I really love is program that I'm developing called Tomorrow's Songwriters, where I coach people, usually teens, through writing their first song. And I just... Basically, I just kind of guide them through the process, and then I produce their song in my home studio. And uh, so their parents have like a professional-ish sounding 
demo, and they have a professional-ish sounding demo of their first song. That is fabulous because we're, I'm working on a project right now on the on the other end of that scope with elder with the elders. Mm-hmm. I'm interviewing elderly people telling the stories of their lives and they want to preserve and protect those stories for their family so we're commissioning songwriters to listen to those stories write a song give it to the family that's fantastic yeah so it's 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 a it's a great use of the art i think to be able to do that so good on you did you find during the pandemic that your relationship with time changed i mean yeah yeah (laughs) i mean i did i i couldn't remember or know what day it was and Mm-hmm. It was sleeping during the day and up all night and that kind of stuff. There's, even before the pandemic, there's there's a Portlandia sketch. My wife and I watched a lot of Portlandia when it was on. It's just a great show. And Fred Armisen and Carrie are talking, and he's like, remember that, remember that wedding you went to? We went to? It's like, yeah, it was last summer. No, it was last winter. No, it was four years ago. And, like, that's that's what COVID did to so many of us. Yeah, it's yeah. like, I, not 2019. I was seven years ago. I know the calendar says it was three. Yeah. But it was really seven. It really was seven <laughs> years ago. Did you did you have to get on the bandwagon of having to learn how to stream and yeah. teach yourself the hardware and the software yes. to be able to do that so that you can stay engaged with your with your music community? Yeah, I was actually on tour when COVID came down. I had a 10-day tour of Alberta planned, and I was driving. Coronavirus was getting serious. It was called coronavirus back then. And, and I called my venues, and they said, yeah, we expect to see you. We have contracts. We expect to see your butt up here. I'm like, okay. So I drove from Colorado Springs to Red Deer, Alberta, which is 19 hours. And as I'm driving up, NCAA's tournaments canceled. All the sports are being canceled, and it's getting really serious. The border was really thick. I had a hard time getting through. And then I played my one show and they were like, we're so sorry. We should have. Well, actually, they said, we're so sorry. We should have canceled. <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> I'm so sorry. sorry about that. And we should have canceled, but we didn't know. And so I played my one show and then the rest of the tour was canceled and I had to come back. And on my way back, one of my friends was like, ah, streaming is the way of the future. And I was so bitter about that. I was like, I've worked so hard to tear down my walls and look people in the eye and perform for them and be vulnerable with them. And now I got to go back to my basement and play on my phone. I was crying about that for about a day or two. And then it was an amazing way to connect with people and people who had never seen me or haven't seen me in years all over the world. We're, we're tuning in and, and I was able to connect with them and now that's still even though we're back to being in person for the most part I'm still going to stream and it's a force it's a source of revenue and so it forced me to do that and I'm so thankful for that it's a source of revenue but it is also a source of connection there are some folks that can't just can't get out anymore yeah. or, or or have you know kind of maybe societal anxiety issues or some other physical impediment that makes going to a concert difficult you know and to mm-hmm. be able to connect in that way it, it's kind of a first world problem but it's still a way to connect so um, i'm glad that we're out there again still a problem it's still an issue but mm-hmm. we're you know we're doing the best we can what's the best way for people to access all things jeremy facknitz well if you can spell my last name i'm on uh I'm on Deezer, uh, all the streaming services, uh, Spotify, uh, YouTube, everything, Apple Music, jeremyfacknets.com. I invite people to visit my website. I've got my catalog on there. i got some videos of the band. Uh, I play with the six-piece band, like I said, back in Colorado. jeremyfacknets.com, F-A-C-K-N-I-T-Z. Z is in zebra. Well, you didn't have to worry. You don't have to worry about someone else having that name, I don't think. I had a young lady in here a couple of weeks ago whose name last name was Smith, and... There are literally four artists with her 
you know, full name out there. And yeah. so she has come up with kind of a, she made up a name that is kind of her first, middle, and last name combined, you know, taking syllables from each one of those names. And there's nobody out there with that name. So she's kind of hit upon it. So uh, it's it's kind of a gift horse that you have there. That Maybe. You, have to, you don't have to worry about another Jeremy Facknicks out there. Well, it's been lovely talking to you. I could talk to you all day. I want to, I want to, do you have another song in you, you think, before yeah. you hit the road? Sure. Yeah. This You, you kind of requested this one. Uh, it's off my latest album from the Sweet Ashes. Now, I haven't played this one in a few months, but I'm going to risk it. It's called uh, The Best That We Can. Maybe I shouldn't have risked it.
Very nicely. Very nice. I was kind of worried there at the beginning, but... <laughs> Just because we wrote it doesn't mean we know how to play it. You know, and it's also probably but musician time. It's pretty dang early yeah, in the day. Not my wheelhouse. Yeah, you had a gig last night, and you've got a gig tonight. And, you know, I really appreciate you taking the time to come in today. If you find yourself in Kansas City or coming this way again, give us a little bit more notice next time. We'll try to uh, help you out with the gigs, and you're always welcome if you're here on a Friday between oh, 10 and noon. Thank Stop you. in. I so appreciate it, and um, thank you so much. You got me the gig last night, and so I'll throw you the 15% uh, that I owe you. And no, please. I appreciate everything you're doing for music and for, for our songwriters everywhere and for Kansas City, and uh, the world needs more Dianas. So oh, well, you. it's my pleasure. It's the very least I can do for the joy and just what it's brought to my life. You know, I, I consider you all first responders. I say that mm-hmm. all the time, and I can't imagine getting through the pandemic myself without the music and the music makers and those of you that live uh, a lyrical life. Uh, Jeremy Facknicks, you are welcome back anytime.